Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Hello, hello, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Hello, Katie. We are live and in person, although this will tape. We have Ingrid Christensen here from Inco, Ingrid's company. You're going to hear from Ingrid soon because she'll drop right after our happy Thanksgiving, all the things we're thankful for. And we have Gretchen Ambrosier. Gretchen is from the Golden Gopher Fund, and she's just everything wonderful at the U. And Heike, what's your last name? Drake Cavaletti. Thank you for being here. We are actually in person for our thankful podcast. Yes, at Rustica Bakery, which we are thankful for. We sure are. They have been our longtime sponsor. And if you don't know Rustica Bakery, you must be living under a rock, and your taste buds have not experienced what true joy really is. With that, we're going to take a quick break for a commercial, and then we're going to come back because we have Greg Hoyt, the owner of Rustica Bakery, with us, and we're going we're to delve deep into what he's thankful for. On The View in Your Mirror, we love Continental Diamond. We are excited to talk about this amazing place. It really is special. The minute you walk in the door, you feel the joy coming out of the most amazing staff, many with 20 plus years experience and all have their hearts and souls into making your experience fantastic. Helene Pessis is the co-owner and head buyer of Continental Diamond. She's a friend of our podcast and has been a guest with us as well. Located just 10 minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, adjacent to the West End with great parking, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go into Continental Diamond. With the holidays fast approaching, check their website. They do have some upcoming trunk shows that will be announced, so keep going back to make sure you don't miss them. Continental Diamond, continentaldiamond.com. Here we are. Greg, we are thankful for you. I don't know how else to say it. I'm happy to be here with you. We need to know the backstory. But how far back do you want to go? Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have about 40 minutes, okay. I would say. Okay. Uh, Backstory, I can give you a quick overview. Born in California, fifth generation, California and Southern California, Pasadena, California, 1966. We made our way to Honolulu in the early 70s as a family and I lived there for a few years. I have a brother and a sister and I'm the oldest of three. Came back to California in the mid 70s and I am a child of divorced parents. My parents divorced and then my dad married my best friend's mom. Oh wow, okay, okay. So my best friend who is two weeks older than I am became my stepbrother in short order, and it was, um, I think I was around 10 or 11, and then at age 12, uh, went to boarding school, back to Honolulu, <laughs> back to, no, not Honolulu, back to the Big Island. Did the stepbrother go to boarding we, we school, We went too? together, <laughs> yes. We went together. Uh, and um, and then I spent a few more years in, um, in Hawaii on the Big Island, and then in Honolulu. Came back to California, and went back to Honolulu, you know, kind of classic divorce with parents living in different cities. Uh, and um, eventually ended up in Pasadena where I finished high school. Uh, I didn't go to college for a number of years. 
and uh, I finally went back to, I enrolled in a university, San Diego State University in the late 80s, early 90s and studied music because there was nothing else that interested me. I thought that things like accounting and finance and business were for other people. And I now just, you own a business yeah, and you have to think yeah. about accounting. Which, and, and I have some opinions about pursuing a liberal art <laughs> and about doing something which you're actually fixated on and passionate about to, to get through. Uh, and then met my wife who was born and raised here. Uh, she's from Excelsior uh, in San Diego um, about midway through university and visited here a couple times, fell in love with Minnesota and moved here in 1993, knew that I was not really going to pursue a career in music. I'm not, I, I have horrible stage fright. Oh. I, I discovered that while I was getting a music degree. And um, I, I, got, I figured I'd get a job, and while I, I, I got a job that would get me up in the morning, I thought it would be in coffee, because I loved coffee, and then I would find an actual job, and the job I got was at Caribou. And there were three stores at the time. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So, you know, here I was, 26 years old. I was, Trisha and I were engaged. Um, and uh, I, I thought I was going to be looking for a job, and I found a career. And that was a career in food that started at Caribou. And I was really motivated to pursue being an entrepreneur because the founders of Caribou were pure entrepreneurs. They were in their late 20s at the time. Uh, they were building something very meaningful, and I was motivated and inspired to do something like that on my own. So I stayed there for a few years, uh, opened a number of stores, got involved in operations, managed a number of stores, and then um, left to pursue my own entrepreneurial journey. That's fantastic. So now that that took a little while, right? That being my entrepreneurial journey? Yes. Uh, it did. It took a little while. Well, it did. I mean, look, we all learn from from yeah. the the curving route that yeah. we take. It, it must, Except I think. Except for Lisa, I, I, who, as we've determined, is very straightforward and lineal. I, I, I think the very nature of pursuing something entrepreneurial is that it's going to take a while and that it will be full of twists and turns and curves and this and that. Um, you know, largely because... Um, you know, seeking a solution to a problem that may or may not exist is something that requires constant turning over and, and revisiting and, you know, um, fixing, uh, checking mistakes and that sort of thing. Yeah, so we, it, it took we, a number of years. We truly learn from our mistakes. Yeah, and by the way, I, I, I have come to... I've come to recognize and value um, failure. Um, I'm now in my mid-50s, and I think that, you know, the idea of learning about or reading about an entrepreneur and just looking at success is, is really a, it's a dumb thing to do. I think that studying where somebody may have failed and where somebody may have mistook things is every bit as valuable, if not more so, than reading about someone who has had entrepreneurial success. I think that's really important. I couldn't agree with you more. And and I don't think most people's paths are lineal, <laughs> right? Especially no. not the creative mindset of people. And if you don't pay attention to the missteps, 
wow, you're just going to you're going to repeat those same missteps. And if you're fearful of them, then you're going to be disinclined to do the exact thing that whatever it is you're pursuing may need you to do. And I think that if there's too much fear of what failure might look like, then the exact thing that is going to be a, quote, breakthrough is going to be elusive to you because you're not going to pursue it because you have fear of failure. And I think it's good to have guardrails in place, and I think it's good to have people around who might help and, you know, may, um, may, may, may reduce the amount of harm that failure can do to whatever it is you're trying to do, but... I do believe that the, you know, a lot of times the breakthrough happens really at, at, at the most anxious point and when, you know, the risk may feel the greatest. And I think that if, if, if one is just fixated on not failing, um, then they're not going to have a breakthrough. That's fabulous. It really is. And if you think back, Lisa, you think back to starting your business so long ago, we have been joined by Mark Ostrom, who is with Joy Collaborative. I mean, the, the thanks that I feel as we're watching our friends stream in and stream out, and Catherine Brandt was here for a little bit, and when I think about all these people, they all carry something in common. They've got businesses, they've started things, and thinking back, you don't know what you don't know until you go through it, right? Absolutely. I mean, look at us starting the podcast, right? That was a big fear of mine, and I decided at COVID I was going to do this. So, Yes, I was talking to Lisa a bit earlier um, when we had some friends here before as we were setting up, and they were helping us test the mic, and I said, hey, Lisa, I think we should do an improv class. And she immediately said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I said that to you, Greg, isn't what this would improv? you say? Well, this yeah. is kind of improv, right? But that's what I said to her. Katie, <laughs> when I do a podcast with you and record a podcast, I'm doing improv every time so i could do i would be down for improv as long as i don't have to as long as i don't have to play an instrument that's where i get stage so fright. you don't play any instruments anymore? i do I, I i play guitar at home pretty regularly i'm kind of a guitar nerd but no i don't i don't perform i don't play for anybody no it got drilled into me um the the way to perform and the proper way to perform and I didn't like it and it scared me so I just don't do it so that's one of your bigger fears is I don't mind speaking or talking or being you know contemporaneous with uh, you know in front of people but yeah not with not with a guitar in my hand so will you play for your kids uh sure I they don't really tolerate it very much <laughs> <laughs> Well, that keeps giving. It's you just then. something that Dad kind of does, you know. Yeah. Do any of them yeah. play instruments? Uh, uh, one of my daughters is quite musical. Um, she has actually, she's. I think she has a gift, but um, uh, she doesn't. She does it kind of when she feels like it. But that's okay too. I feel like those things sometimes, like for example, you found out that music was something for you personally. It probably soothes you. Probably. Yeah. There are a lot of times that people go into what they love and they find they start to hate it. Yes, it can be that which you, that the passion you may have and that which you might pursue you could resent because it's become something that you are required to conform to 
pursue. And I'm actually grateful that I didn't pursue something in music because I still have this sort of open field of like what I think music is. I have an idealistic view of music still, as opposed to if I pursued a career in it. And I have a less idealistic view of business. I think if I tried to pursue a degree in business, yeah, I don't who knows, maybe I'd be a professional musician. Well, let's let's go back to that that view of business because talking about your winding road of going yeah. from Caribou Coffee, mm-hmm. which we all know is a very popular place, and there's a place for Caribou, there's a place for Starbucks, and then there's this beautiful place for Rustica mm-hmm. that you've discovered and come to. How did you end up here? Well, here being Rustica Bakery and here being the location that we have in Edina, we have two locations, one on Lake Street in Minneapolis. And actually, it was a caribou relationship that, that, that put this together. Uh, the founder of Rustica um, is a guy named Steve. He actually moved to Buffalo, New York, where he's got another bakery now. He and I met at Caribou, actually, and I stayed in coffee. I pursued, I pursued my own entrepreneurial journey in coffee, and he pursued bakery. And uh, we reconnected in probably 2007 after I had tried a baguette that he made. Russica opened in 2004. And it was shortly after they opened that I tried the product and uh, had this amazing experience with this baguette that Steve made and it was probably about 2007 that we kind of started talking about working together and um, I became a silent partner of Rustica in 2009 and helped Rustica open at the location on Lake Street and and so our, our arrangement was that I would facilitate all the coffee at Rustica um, and I wanted to experiment and try something new that I was seeing happen on the on the West Coast uh, with with coffee uh, around specialty coffee, and I wanted to try and you know find a niche for this kind of burgeoning third wave of coffee thing inside Rustica Bakery, and Steve allowed me to do that. And so, uh, actually, it was the day before Thanksgiving, two thousand nine, that Rustica opened on Lake Street, which is a terrible day to open a bakery it's you know because you know i mean it's a very busy day and so that's like day one and all these people are coming in and expecting you know everything to be just right and have tons of pies and everything and i'm I'm sure that things were not just right but it's, it's turned out okay and uh and then we found a niche with this coffee pretty quickly um this coffee became uh, Dogwood Coffee. Um, so there was a group of us, a number of baristas who were working at Rustica, and a partner and I started Dogwood, and it was born out of Rustica Bakery. And then later on in 2015, Steve came to me and said that he was was wanting to move upstream in baking and wanting to mill his own flour and wanted to get out of Rustica, so he sold me the business. Well, then you would, you had to replace him as well. I had to. Fortunately, he had a he had a good baking team in place. Um, and as an entrepreneur, I'm somebody who I think can uh, seek and find opportunities for things. Um, and I'm I'm not necessarily an expert in any one thing. But interestingly, I you know I spent I spent a good chunk of my career in coffee, and 
I don't roast coffee, but I think I have a pretty good idea of the type of person who makes a good coffee roaster or a coffee professional. And it's not, an, it's not dissimilar from a baker. Um, you know, there's a very precise approach to it. There's a, um, there's a commitment to a science as well as an art. And um, so Steve left me with a great baking team, and we kind of built it from there in 2015. He also promised me that he'd return my phone calls, and he, he still has. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's what uh, we're approaching seven and a half years that I've owned Rustica, and I still connect with him, you know, easily four or five times a year and talk about things related to baking. Fantastic. I think we have a new question to ask people for our podcast. Are you a baker? Are you a baker? Are you a baker? Because I think that tells a lot about somebody. I am not a baker. Are you a baker? I like to bake, but I'm not a baker. Mm -hmm. Like, I I would have to follow a recipe exactly, where if you're a baker, you kind of know when the dough's right and how to knead it and all of that. I I don't have that confidence. But you understand... The exact, the, the precision required and the consistency required for baking. Yes. So, it, actually, now, now that we're talking about this, that is not unlike the training that I got. My, my music degree was in classical guitar. And a classical guitar player or a classical musician, one who has studied and has really understood how precise performing and playing to a piece must be would make a good baker. I wouldn't be a very good baker. Nor would I. I. I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a free-form guy. <laughs> and I would not be a good coffee roaster then either, evidently. Well, I think there might be a little more latitude in coffee roasting, but it's time and temperature, and there is, there, there is a lot of precision involved. You know, the science is definitely there. It's not just art. Patience? Does there have to be patience? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. not be a good baker. So when you're when you're going to roaster. hire a baker, interview a baker, are yeah. there certain things that you look at when you're interviewing them that you're like, yeah, he's going to be good, or yeah, she's going to be good? Uh, right now, we have who I believe is one of the top bakers in definitely in the Twin Cities, maybe in the state, uh, Sean McKenzie, and she's been with us for about a year now. Fortunately. She is the one who can determine what's going to be a good baker. I feel very fortunate that um, that we were able to come together and that she agreed to work for us starting about a year ago. We talked a little earlier about mistakes and trial and error, and I've had mine as it relates to hiring and hiring the right people, hiring the wrong people. But um, I, I, I think that who we have now as a head baker is really well suited to evaluate who would make a very good baker. I want to talk a little bit more about your staff, but first we're going to take a quick break. So excited to have a minute with Renee Keller from Renee Keller Interior Design. Renee, what is a good reason why someone should look at having a qualified interior designer working on their project? Well, Katie, one of the main reasons is that we can save you time and money and overwhelmed 
feelings. There's an awful lot that goes into putting a project together, isn't there? There absolutely is. There is a lot of communication, documentation, and a lot of decisions that need to be made. Now, what about if a person really feels like they want their style to come through? What we do is we have a questionnaire that we have our clients fill out, and we actually have a kickoff meeting, and we get to know the clients. We learn a lot about the space that they're planning, and we like to hear about what each space is going to be used for and why. One of your favorite words is joy. Yes. <laughs> you bring joy to the projects that you work on. Yes. Joy to me is family, is your surroundings, and for me, if you don't have joy, you don't have life. If people want to get a hold of you to bring joy into their home, how do they do that? They would connect with us uh, via ReneeKeller.com, R-E-N-A-E-K-E-L-L-E-R.com. Good talk, Renee. Thanks, Katie. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know what? The conversation that happens when we take a break, sometimes yeah. I really wish I would just leave the microphone run. Like, for example, uh -huh. you guys found out. Bye, Katie Lewis. Thanks for being here. We've had so many people stop in. See, I think you think it's me. Greg, I think it's Rustica. They want the treats. They're here for the treats. Well, it, it doesn't hurt that you're here, that's for sure. <laughs> it's a great place to be. So we were talking about staff, and we were talking yeah. about your most amazing ability. I think that is truly one of your gifts, right? Let's face it, is to find the people that need to fit in the places you need them to fit. I think I'm pretty good at, at, at finding people. Yeah, I, I, I say pretty good. I'm not amazing at it, but uh, I think once you find a core group of people who comprise what might look like a culture, and I actually learned a lot about culture and business from uh, John Puckett, the co-founder of Caribou Coffee, you let that culture spread and you do not mess with it under penalty of death <laughs> you oh do boy. not you do not mess with the culture and anything that might get in the way of the culture you do not mess with under penalty of death and i think what that looks like is people and the culture not unlike sourdough starter the culture remains and grows and is part of everything but you don't mess with it that's smart and again you learn from the missteps that you make. Yeah, and, and then you, I think you recognize if the culture might be slipping or going off, how to course correct or when to course correct, and to do so without, um, you know, without bias or without emotion. You just know, you know, under penalty of death, this culture has to be brought back to center. And, and in the case of Rustica, I think, a, you know, a good part of that culture is, um, is that customers are here for a reason and we exist here to serve those customers and that reason is joy and that reason is you know good things that you can put in your mouth and have an experience in a in a place that's that's got four walls and some windows and you're doing so with your friends and family can you just imagine some of the business dealings and ventures and family conversations and all things really incredible that take place here. Yeah, you know, and actually 
there's something that I've shared with staff from time to time. I try not to, I try not to talk too much. Uh, but, you know, Rustica is the type of place, and really any food service place, but I believe Rustica in particular is the type of place where, um, where really important things are discussed over, you know, over a cup of coffee and a pastry. Things like um, saying goodbye to somebody. Things like greeting somebody and bringing them back into town and going someplace. Things like, um, you know, lamenting something in life and things like celebrating something in life. Those sorts of things tend to happen in a place like this. And, uh, and I think having reverence for the fact that there's a role that you play in that, um, you know, there are certain people who do it better than others. And my preference is to try and attract the people who play that role uh, and not attract people who don't play that role. When, when COVID happened, because of the culture that you're talking about, did things change? Was it better because you have this culture and people kind of grouped together and got stronger together? Or? I think um, everything had to get rewired. You had just opened this location, the Edina uh, the, location. Yeah, the Edina location opened June 29th, 2020. So it happened after the COVID shutdown and then after the reopen. And, um, and things had to get rewired. Um, and actually, I think, I think there's a couple of people who are still here, but it, we had to, things had to get completely rewired. And... Um, uh, I mean, frankly, I wasn't. I I was pretty sure we might not make it. You know, wow. I I I was pretty sure that just the complexity involved in in what it takes to you know bake things like we bake, um, and uh, and the reliance on people coming in the door and many people coming in the door every day, every week. Uh, is was something that I was really concerned about, and I think fortunately, um, having reasonable landlords and uh, and then of course having assistance from the government is is really what did it. I'm not sure how we would have made it otherwise. We lost, like I said, I'd say we had probably 99% turnover of staff. Not immediately, but it happened over time, and we had to reset and reprioritize what our culture is going to be. And I think on the other side of it, uh, to the extent that we're on the other side of it, I think that um, I'm very hopeful. Actually, I think we're we're in a really really good spot right now. And one of the one of the reasons, one of the things I would point to as to why we're in a really good spot is prior to COVID, we had quite a bit of business that we did outside of our own shop. We sold wholesale products to co-ops, to restaurants, to cafes. And uh, we stopped that during COVID, and I never restarted it. Uh, there's a number of reasons. Actually, we, we still do sell to a couple places. We sell to Cafe Ceres in town. Uh, we sell to the Jinx Tea and Folly Coffee Bar in town. But those are, those are exceptions, um, and we're not really doing anything around wholesale anymore. Again, having the ability to pivot 
right? That word has been used a lot during COVID, but I don't know that there's a better word because you absolutely had to look at everything. Yeah. Now, let's talk about our fabulous staff okay. that is here. Because I okay. walked in, the minute I walked in, and there's smiles and there's mm-hmm. greetings. And I mean, how can you not be happy because you're standing over these incredible counters of... <laughs> yeah. Incredible pastry and then the coffee. You said 99% of your staff really got turned, turned over. Turned over, yeah. So, and not everyone is the same, which is lovely. Lisa and I talk about this all the time. We did a podcast a long time ago where Lisa was talking about walking with a friend, and the friend said, Lisa, I know you, Lisa, but tell me about Katie. And Lisa, why don't you tell the story of how you described? It was actually my friend that came here to see me today. She said, if you could describe Katie as a dog, what dog breed would she be? And just quickly, I said... Yellow oh. Lab. Well, I said a Labrador. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I've been described. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, she's, and she started laughing because we've been friends since we were very young. And she said, and what are you? And I just quickly said, oh, I'm a standard poodle. So, I mean, but that's true. Like, yeah. you, you definitely are probably a Labrador. I would agree to yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a little more lab-like, yeah. Yeah. Always friendly, always smiling, love everybody, no judgments. Well, and you also want to chase a ball. I'd rather chase a ball <laughs> than, I would, uh, th- than I would have to... Meet with your accountant? <laughs> <laughs> I actually like my accountant, but no, yes, r- uh, that's true. Rather than look at a spreadsheet. Rather than look at a spreadsheet. But then you can have people for that. Well, hopefully. But you do have to know. There is a level, when you talked about at the beginning, that you thought, well, there's no use for that and all that. There is a level of understanding you comfortably need to have of numbers, of all of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without question. I think that I probably would have, um, I would have saved myself a lot of time if I had actually, and I would highly recommend that anybody who is doing anything in life uh, you know, learn basic accounting and basic finance. There's, there's a lot, you know, that 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 is applicable in all aspects of life to take with them. I just didn't, I, I didn't find that useful, and that was, it took me a lot of time to realize the folly in that. But well, there again, there's, there's only 24 hours in a day, and if you're yeah. spending that time doing other things, and boy, living on the island of Hawaii. <laughs> The Big Island, right? You're on the Big, Big Island. Island. And I lived in Honolulu for a couple of years, too. Okay. Well, I, I feel like there are a lot of things to be doing not involving accounting and finance. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other things you're doing besides Rustica? That- yeah. I, um, a few years ago, I started an investment firm called Gather Venture Group. Um, and I started it with a partner, Michael Stern. And we formed Gather to be a resource for emerging food and beverage brands uh, who needed capital. Uh, not just financial capital, but also Michael, uh, my partner, is also an entrepreneur, and we really started this investment firm as entrepreneurs to assist other entrepreneurs. And we set it up as a fund, and we've invested in seven businesses. And we work with the, uh, the businesses that we've invested in. We've actually started a, a consulting business together, uh, with a couple other partners, and so outside of Rustica, or I would say because of Rustica, for Rustica to expand, which you know Rustica should be able to have a few more locations in the Twin Cities, it would seem. It it needs to be more than just my own 
uh, resources and my own abilities, it's, it would be better to have other people involved in this as well. And that was kind of the spirit of why we started Gather, was to be that resource for, for other food businesses. And I'll give you an example. We invested in a business called Peace Coffee here in town. Oh, fantastic. I, I know a lot about coffee, and I've known the leadership team there for years. And um, I think we're... I think we are a, a good addition to Peace Coffee, not just as, as having invested money, but also some of the knowledge that we have around business and around coffee. Uh, we've invested locally in a business called Nordic Waffles, which is a wonderful brand, and, um, and I think we're helpful to that, to that business. So that's what we're doing and what I'm working on outside of just rustic bakery. I have often said that people can really be broken down into two types of people, either those who believe in abundance or those who believe in scarcity. Hmm. And what you've just described is a belief in abundance because these are companies, one could say Peace Coffee is a competitor to Rustica in a way, but yet the belief that there is enough for everyone to go around and by having that spirit of entrepreneurism and sharing that, that abundance is coming through. That's how things are going to grow, especially in this Twin Cities market that has amazing entrepreneurial spirit, especially when it comes to food service. Yeah, and, and to that end, I do believe in, I, I, I do get what you're saying and I've really thought long and hard about I have to check myself often because I get trapped into a, a sense of um, forgetting that abundance abides. And what we have kind of manifesting here in Minnesota, beyond just the Twin Cities as far as a food ecosystem, really points to that abundance. And it's really cool because um, we're seeing resources start to be available to support what is looking like a really meaningful food ecosystem here that is really about abundance. And I think over the next few years, we're going to see a lot more activity around food, whether it's food science, whether it's food technology, investment into consumer packaged good brands. Um, I think we're going to see a generation of entrepreneurs who are interested in food in ways that are meaningful beyond just coming up with something in your kitchen and then expanding it, expanding it. Uh, but where scale is found through means that we don't necessarily have, have had to deal with in the past, whether those means are you know, starting with direct-to-consumer and then going into retail stores or you know, leveraging technology and social media and things like that. I, I think the future is really exciting here. You know, when you think about Minnesota and the fact that we are, you know, we're steeped in agriculture, we have a land-grant university here, we have um, largest privately held company in the world is a food company and it's based here, Cargill. Uh, Hormel is here, General Mills is here. And what's really encouraging is those institutions recruit and attract the smartest, best, most expert people in those areas. And once they're here, because they attract them from all over the world, you 
know, think about General Mills. They attract the best people in food from all over the world. Once they're here, they never leave. And so we've found kind of an interesting connection with a number of General Mills, I'd call them remnants, you know, whether they've retired or quit or been laid off. They're still expert in their area, and they're still here in Minnesota. And uh, that's really, really encouraging. And I, I think the future of food here in Minnesota is going to be very, very interesting. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't really think about that, what you just said, and I really like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not somebody that thinks about that arena, right? I think about but it as a lot. you're talking about it, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. This is what we love about doing the podcast, too, because. Lisa and I share something. As different as we are, the yin and the yang of it is we both share that lifelong learning piece. Mm -hmm. We love that part of it. And thinking beyond, I just think so, keeps us... Wanting to keep doing it again. Yeah. I was going to say young, but I mean, that's age is age. It's just it keeps us... It keeps our brain malleable. Yeah. How's that? Which I think, <laughs> you know, you know I, I believe that a... Lifelong pursuit as a student is something that is really healthy to for us. You know, it's good for our brain, it's good for our soul. It keeps us engaged with other people. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to really celebrate being a student or studying something or learning about something alone. It's best to do with other people, I believe. And Very it seems true. Like, Very it true. It seems like you know your what you two are doing is. It embodies that notion. Well, I definitely learn a lot from Katie. And Likewise. Katie learns a lot from me. But I think we call itself the yin and the yang because we, we're so different. But yet, how we believe in the world is the same. And that's how we came together. Joy and spirit of hope and that we bring each other along. And I think that's, we've created this group of people and we couldn't do what we do without you i mean you've been such an instrumental part in this podcast each and every podcast we were very picky on who we wanted to have as a sponsor and you fit it perfectly and we were so excited when it happened and people love they love the break because it gets them talking about something fun and joyful and tasty and well and like i told you lisa we don't I, I, Russica doesn't advertise. Um, you know, I've, I've tried it a couple times throughout the years, and I've just never seen the point. But the, you know, I think the the types of discussions that you have, the people whom you have on, and your uh, your connection with a demographic that is our demographic, yeah. it, it it makes sense. They're it's, coming in and having their, their coffee meetings here. Yeah. Or at Lake Street. I know they are because we hear from them. So yeah. And I said they order their breads now. That's right. Weekly. You know, and right. it's kind of something that people just talk about. It's like Russica became part of our podcast family. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for that. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. And our Thanksgiving special that we have here, we couldn't have we couldn't have asked for anything more. Now in the spirit of giving, mm -hmm. you have brought us a nonprofit. Yes, there is a nonprofit that we've been involved with for a few years, which I absolutely adore. It's called Bricks to Bread, uh, and it's bricks to bread.org. 
Um, Bricks to Bread is a nonprofit that is serving um, communities, rural communities in um, Costa Rica. And I think they just built a bread oven in Honduras this year, too. Um, and the idea is, uh, and I, th- I believe uh, Bricks to Bread has built around between 8 and 10 ovens so far in the last few years. And it's a, it's a very sturdy oven. Each oven is about $10,000. Um, a team goes down. Um, uh, Bricks to Bread was started by a St. Louis Park um, couple, uh, Nancy and Chato Alvarado. Um, and they uh, take volunteers, they build ovens in a, in, in picture a town center in a village in rural Costa Rica. Uh, and the the recipient of these ovens is always a woman, and it's a woman who is a person in the community who, for whom, um, that oven can become a community center. Um, it can it's a business where the you know the the steward of this oven uh, would would operate a bakery um, and um, and and bake various things you know, breads and, and other, you know, gosh, they bake all sorts of things. They cook things, too. Um, but it's it's a symbol as a, a center for a community, an economic center, and a, and a, and a gathering spot for, uh, for people in that particular community. Done in a very safe way, because I know in a lot of these rural communities, um, I've had experience in Guatemala, the ovens are not safe, and they're they're not healthy, and they create some very big problems. So to be able to go down and put this in in a safe environment helps in so many ways, not just the economic impact of it, but the health impact as well. Yeah, if you could picture a pizza oven at Punch Pizza and picture a design similar to that made of bricks, um, that is, it, it's wood-fired, um, and it's, it, it's very, very sturdy. It is, it's very safe. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Nancy and Chato in their backyard in St. Louis Park have a model of one of the ovens that they've built in their backyard, and when they do their fundraiser every year, bricks2bread.org, they use the oven and they invite people to come by and, and see how it see how it functions. That's fantastic. It is. That's fantastic. Bricks to bread. Yep. Dot org. Yes. Love it. We'll we will we'll have information about that as well as the rest of how to reach us. So how to if people want to get a hold of you, if they have an idea or want to learn yeah. more, how do they do that? Sure. Um, um, best way is uh, go to my website, which is gatherventuregroup.com. My email is greg, G-R-E-G, at gatherventuregroup.com. And that's, or I'm on LinkedIn, too. I guess you could find me on LinkedIn. I'm not, I'm not very good at using LinkedIn. I, I mean, I have myself set up, but yeah. I'm not quite sure what to do do with it. It's a good resource for you, especially doing what you're doing now, because that's I, kind of the business social media platform. Yeah, I know it's supposed to be, but I've kind of, I, I've, I've like dabbled in it, but I've not really like made something of myself on LinkedIn, but I am on LinkedIn too. Spoken like a true Labrador. 
<laughs> Greg Hoyt, thank yeah. you so much for being oh, with it's us. it's my pleasure. And thank you again for your sponsorship yeah, and all the extra really love that I've gotten every time I walk in here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, It's guys. been great. Well, Lisa, I don't know about you, but... I am a happy camper. You are such a happy camper, and you're smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> and I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. And absolutely. I really enjoyed having him on our podcast. I did, too. He's knocked it out of the park for, you know, he's representing the men folk very well. <laughs> since he's the second, since Mark Ostrom, who stopped by to say hi. Yeah, it was so nice to have some of our guests who have been on our podcast just stop by to say hello. Isn't that neat? Yeah. And then our friends Kelly and Anne-Marie. Oh, my gosh. Who else was here? Sarah and Jody, And, oh, my gosh. Who were the people sitting over here? First names. We'll get first names. Leslie. Leslie. And Barb. And Barb. I mean, there were so many. I hope we didn't forget anybody. Yeah. It's just amazing. We, we are grateful for our Thanksgiving special. We are grateful for every, each and every person who has been on our podcast, has been on our podcast, who listens to our podcast, who takes the time to share our podcast. We're just thankful for you all. Yes. And again, I want to thank all of our listeners because we have really had a lot of people listening this year. We've, I think, coming into our own here, Katie. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's time. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting, but I, I just love to see when people will text or email or make a post and they'll tell us how much they loved the podcast or they'll take a snippet from it and what they learned from it. And that's why I'm doing it. One of my favorites when I was sending out little invitations, just little texts to people saying, hey, we're going to be at Rustica in Edina at Southdale. Stop by and say hi. And I got some really lovely rejections of, you know, because people are busy. It's a busy time of year and they have things going on. But my one friend, Kathy, said, oh, I'll be up north and I will be locked in my closet cleaning things out and binging on episodes of The View in Your Mirror. And she always has something lovely to say. And really, it just delights us, and it's why we do it. It's really why we do it. It is. It is. If I can have each person who's listened to one of our podcasts learn something, take something away, smile, laugh, then I'm doing what I wanted to do for this podcast. And how many people do you think now look in their mirrors and say, you know what? Not bad. And I'm the only me that there is. So I'm going to put my best foot forward and start my day. I hope a lot. Yep. Then our work is done. It's never done. Okay. It's never, it's never done. done. You're right. You're right. It's, it's never, never done. done. It's never done. So if people want to reach us, the easiest way is the website. Yeah. I think theviewinyourmirror.com. But you can also leave a message on LinkedIn and on Instagram. The view in your mirror. The view in your mirror. Absolutely. We do respond. We have an email address. If you just want to shoot us a quick email, we are info at theviewinyourmirror.com. You can get more information on both of us by going to our website. Also, you will get information on all of our past nonprofits. The other thing we've started doing is we have opportunities for discounts that come our way only to businesses that we really feel are worth noting. That is something that you can find discounts on our website. Yes. iBob's joined us. We have Honey Love. 
Q Hosiery, which is a big one. And there will be more that come on board. So make sure you take a look at that and you might find something interesting there. In the meantime, we really do wish for you the happiest of Thanksgivings. We hope you are surrounded by those you love. And we know that when you look in the mirror, you are looking at the best you that you can possibly be. Until next time. 